Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. Thank you, Mark. Mark. Isn't that awesome? So you support that. When you give to missions on a regular basis, that allows us to support families like the Qualls that are doing a great ministry, a great job. Uh, I want to talk to you today about uh, in the Been There. We've been in the Been There series. Uh, this is our eighth week. Uh, it's our last week. Uh, so today I want to talk about rejection. Rejection. Have you ever felt rejected? Uh, maybe, maybe you had an overbearing critical parent who made it clear you weren't, weren't good enough. Uh, I, I recently heard of a family that was visiting Disney together, so apparently they were loaded. Uh, <clears throat> the, the granddaughters uh, were all able to, to participate in a princess breakfast, whatever that is, but they could only get a certain amount of tickets, and grandma didn't get to go. So in response, she has cut off all contact with her children and grandchildren. She's turned what she viewed as a rejection into like a super rejection. Uh, And do you think kids have any understanding of what's wrong with grandma? No, they just, grandma doesn't like us anymore. Uh, Sometimes children reject their parents. Uh, sometimes for good reason, because, you know, they, they might have been abusive or toxic or manipulative. Uh, some for minor insignificant things. Uh, every parent, I don't know if you know this, uh, every parent's flawed. Every parent is imperfect. We all are. Uh, I know of a grandparent that remarked how big the grandbaby's feet looked at birth. And that one comment has caused an ongoing, seemingly unrepairable rift in the family for years. It's just like, it's, it can't be undone. It was, you know, you said the grandbaby had big feet. You know, what a horrible thing to say. Or maybe it's a job. You know, you can work at a job for years and years and give it your very best. You can pour your into a job and then... New, new management, new ownership, or they're deciding that they need to make some changes. They're going to sell the company, or they're going to take, they're going to take it public, and so then they make all kinds of changes. So they're trying to cut all the expensive workers. So maybe you've served there a long time, so they just let you go, without any regard to your years of service, or how close you are to retirement, or anything. You're just done. Or maybe it's divorce. A spouse who suddenly doesn't want you around anymore. It's painful. Maybe you didn't make the team as a teenager. Uh, in school, you didn't, you didn't make the team that you wanted to be on. Volleyball or basketball or football or something. Uh, or the drill team. I can remember the, the, the wailing. Well, not the wailing, but the waiting after the tryouts where you're waiting to see if your name is going to be on the list 
of the people that made it. I, I, I don't know if there's a more painful system they could have derived about, <laughs> about how to, but they, they did it. Uh, or, or, or we all want to be in the cool crowd, to sit at the cool table and to be rejected by a group of people that you want to be in that group of people and then you get rejected. Uh, rejection hurts. It, it, it physically hurts. Uh, research tells us that the part of our brain that deals with, with rejection is the same part of the brain that pr- processes physical pain. So in a, in a real sense, physical pain and, and rejection hurt in the same way. So in this study, we've been seeing how Jesus has been through, has been there, and he's faced what we faced. So Jesus has faced rejection like we face rejection. In Mark chapter 3, verse 20, in the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he came home, and I believe this is his actual home in Capernaum, and the crowd gathered again to such an extent that he could not even eat a meal. So Jesus has just begun his ministry, and you would say it's going really well. I mean, it's really taken off. Because everywhere he goes, there's large crowds. Incredible things are happening. People are being healed, and lame are being healed. Deaf are being healed. Blind are being healed. People are talking. They're excited about about what Jesus is doing. They're they're talking about him being the Messiah, and great things are happening. And here he is in Capernaum at his hometown, and it's just, it's just so, such, so much excitement, such a crowd that they can't even eat a meal together. Verse 32, when his own people, and his own people is described further down in the text as his mother and his brothers. So when his mother and his brothers heard of this, they went out to take custody of him, for they were saying he's lost his senses. So that's a pretty good level of rejection. Your own family thinks you're crazy. Other translations say he's lost his mind. So his own family, I mean, we'd like for our family to celebrate with us. I mean, if when some, you know, birthdays, we gather family, graduations, weddings, events, Sometimes funerals are some of the most fun things families do. Uh, really? Uh, we gather. We love it. when. But to, to think that his family is showing up because they think this Messiah talk is over the top. In Nazareth, his hometown, they tried to kill him. They tried to throw him off a cliff when he said he was the Messiah. They, so his family thinks he's crazy. They're embarrassed of him. They're embarrassed that their older brother thinks he's the Messiah. They reject him. And think about this. This is the, Mary is, is with them. And Mary was the one who had the miracle baby. Mary's the one who, when they dedicated him on the eighth day, heard the prophecies about him, about him being the Messiah. When, and she treasured these things in her heart. When, when, they lost him on their trip to Jerusalem and found that he had gone back to the temple and was, was uh, arguing with the scribes and the Pharisees. 
they were amazed at his teaching for, for him being just a young man. She had seen all of that. But somehow in the midst of it, it was like she's questioning. I mean, you know, can my son really be God? Can he really be the Messiah? Uh, so even in verse 22, the next verse, the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he's possessed by Beelzebul, by the Lord of the flies. He's possessed by Satan. And he cast out demons by the ruler of the demons, which is really, you think about it, some pretty crazy logic. Uh, he cast out. So Jesus is rejected by his own family. He's rejected by the religious leaders. Uh, they say that he's possessed with a demon. Uh, he's, so he's rejected by his hometown. We know that eventually his disciples, when they arrest him, are going to temporarily reject him. Uh, he's rejected relationally socially, religiously. So Jesus understands what it's like to be rejected. So when you were a kid, one of the th important things that someone taught you was how to cross the road. This morning we had Elias. Uh, he spent the night with us last night, so when we got out of the car, uh, we have to, had to cross through the, you know, the traffic lane. So I had to make sure that I've got him by the hand because, you know, we've always got crazy people driving in here late or, you know, whatever. Uh, so I had him by the hand to make sure. And one of the one things that you're going to teach your children about crossing the road is you look to the right and to the left. Right? You, I mean, you want them to understand that they need to look both ways. And the same thing is true when we're reading the Bible. We always want to read the Bible in context. Because there, the Bible, no verse sits alone by itself. We read the, the, the Bible in context. So we want to see what's on the, on the left of it and what's on the right of it. To see what's before it and what's after it. So that we understand the context of what's going on. A lot of times we, sometimes we take verses out of context and we don't think about the, the whole picture. You think about one of the favorite verses that a lot of people have. This is a good refrigerator verse. Behold, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, to give you a future and a hope. Now, if you read before that, the context of that verse, that God says, I'm going to take Israel out of captivity and take them back into the land of promise. But I'm going to do it in 70 years. So if you're reading that verse and thinking, behold, I... I I know that I have the plans for you, says for many of them, that plan is they're going to be dead. The promise is really for the next generation. And here's the challenge for us. We need to be as just as excited for what's going to do, what God is going to do after us as what God's going to do for us. We need to be excited about the next generation and what God wants to do in the next 70 years. Sometimes we're always thinking about, what about me? But what about them? So we need to be living with the expectation. So sometimes we do that. We take stuff, we don't recognize the context. In the context of this, so what's going on? Uh, we'll go to the right, we look to the left. So if we look just a few verses before, we see in Mark chapter 3, verse 14. And he appointed 12. So if you read those preceding verses, you see that he's, he has gone and chosen his disciples. 
And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out the demons. So there were 12 that were with Jesus. There were others that were also with him. Being with Jesus is different from being around Jesus. Mark told a story about the lady who had been around Jesus. She'd been around the political idea of Jesus, the family idea of Jesus, but she didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. She didn't, she wasn't with Jesus. She was just around. There are many people that were around Jesus, the crowd, his family, the religious leaders, but the disciples, he chose them to be with him. And if you're with him, you get to be a part of his story. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17, here's the disciples after he sent them out. They're coming back and they say, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So there was They were included in what Jesus was doing, but there was also a price to pay of rejection. His rejection became their rejection. And the closer you are to Jesus, the higher the price you will likely pay. Eleven of the twelve disciples gave their life to follow Christ. So we know that rejection, ridicule, persecution can be the price for being with Jesus. In Matthew 5, verse 10, it says this, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Interestingly, we don't find this scripture on many refrigerators. Blessed are you when you've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and say falsely all kinds of evil against you because of me. So how do we respond to rejection? How do we tend to respond to rejection? Well, the world tends to respond to rejection with retaliation, right? Revenge. If you're driving down the road and... You accidentally don't realize it happens all the time. You cut somebody off. What are they going to try to do? They're going to come around and they're going to make sure you know. Hopefully they don't do it with a handgun. They're going to make sure you know that you cut them off. They might give you the universal sign of I think you're number one. Uh, I think you're special. How did Jesus respond to rejection? Well, Jesus didn't retreat when he experienced rejection. He didn't retreat. Once we get hurt <laughs> by rejection, we tend to isolate. We shut others out. In other words, if, if we tried it and it didn't work, then we pull back. So we tried making friends and it didn't work. I tried being friends, it didn't work. So we pull back. Or we don't risk applying for that job that maybe we feel like just a little bit beyond our ability, so we're not going to take that risk. We're not going to, because I don't want to be rejected. So we don't talk to people about Jesus, because I talked about Jesus to someone once, and then they wouldn't talk to me anymore, so I'm not going to talk to people about Jesus. Uh, we don't put ourselves out there where we can be rejected. Some people, I'm sure you've encountered these people, they pre reject you so you can't reject them. In other words, they're just mean people. They're cranky. 
And really, they're probably just really hurting and lonely and needy. But they, they, they put out this gruff exterior that so when you try to talk to them, they're like, I mean, I, there's a couple of people here that won't shake my hand. And, and I, it's, I know it's not, but they're here all the time. And so I know that that's a self-protection mechanism because they've been hurt. You know, I, I can tell, here, here's a, just a, a, a real weak example. When people visit this church, we have a place for you to fill out a card. People will not give you information because they don't want you to show up at their house. So they, they may attend for months before they give you actual, any information about them. That you don't know their last name or you don't know their, their address uh, because we're, we're, we're frightened. Jesus didn't retaliate when he experienced rejection. Uh, that's how we typically respond. Sometimes we feel like a, a doormat, like we've been walked over, and, th- and then they've just walked over us and walked out. But if someone's done that to us, they may have walked out of your life, but they're still running laps in our mind. So Mark chapter 3, verse 32. A crowd was sitting around him, and he said to, they said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Answering them, he said, who are my mother and my brothers? Looking about at those who were sitting around him, he said, behold, my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. This is so neat. Jesus responded to rejection with an invitation. He'd been rejected and treated like a doormat, and instead he rolled out a welcome mat. He looks around at the people that are sitting around him, and he says, you can be part of my family. It's not just my mother and brothers out there that are my family, but you are part of my family. Jesus experiences rejection, and he makes it into an invitation In John chapter 1, verse 12, he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believed in his name. Maybe you have experienced rejection by a parent or a child, and it's created an empty place in your heart. God can use that place of rejection for a place of invitation. Wendy Wilcox, she's seated here in this service, uh, lost her husband, Jackie, several years ago. So she could be sitting around feeling sorry for herself. And she, she hurts. There's an empty place in her heart. But she's turned that in to filling her life with loving people and loving the singles of LCC. If you're 2 to 80 and you're single, she's going to try to reel you in. Everybody fits Wendy's demographic because she loves everybody. David and Pat Hurts. Pat is uh, still recovering 
in the hospital. David's here, right, right behind Wendy. And uh, they didn't get any grandchildren, and they would have loved to have grandchildren. So that empty chair in their life, they turned and loved all the children of LCC. They just, they made the children of LCC their grandchildren. Even my kids, 25 years ago, they called David the bubblegum man. And then later the necklace man, because he always wore a gold necklace. But they called him the bubblegum man, because he always was cared about the kids, loving on the kids, giving the kids attention. And I really, this is what the kingdom of God is about. I can give you example after example how God can take a broken area of your life, an, em an empty chair, so to speak, and give you a place of ministry. Because now that you've been through that, now that you've had that pain, now you've had that sorrow, you've had that rejection, now you understand. You have compassion. You have understanding. And God can use you to reach out and touch people in the name of Jesus. If life gives you an empty chair, don't fill it with bitterness and regret. Fill it with the love of Christ extended to those around you. Jesus didn't retaliate. He responded with love. He didn't retreat. He refused to give up. So we, we look to the left. If we look to the right of the scripture, we can see the rest of those verses. And we read the rest of those verses. We see that Jesus doesn't quit teaching the kingdom of God because he got rejected. He doesn't quit loving on people and healing people. And he doesn't even give up on his family. As a matter of fact, his family all become faithful followers. And James and Jude write part of the New Testament and give their life for their faith in Christ. He, kept, he keeps setting people free, setting people free. He keeps healing people. He, keeps, he walks on water. He feeds the 5,000. He raises Lazarus from the dead. He just continues to do miraculous things. He didn't allow his rejection to be a resignation. Sometimes when we get hurt, we want to quit. But often, rejection can be the direction that God wants to work. He's going to open a door through that pain, and you'll be able to see people in a different light that with a compassion and a mercy and a grace that you didn't have before. Galatians 6, 9 says, let's not become weary in doing good for in the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. If you lose your job, there's real pain there. You feel they've treated you wrong, but don't give up. Don't quit. There's another job out there for you. There's another opportunity that's coming. You were betrayed by a friend. They walked out on you. They told lies about you. Don't give up. You still need friends. Maybe, you, maybe your church hurt you. If you'll stay here long enough, I'll hurt you. It's, it's just, it's the way, it's people hurt people. But don't give up. We, don't, we can't give up with every little pain and every little rejection. Your spouse doesn't want you anymore. It's traumatic. But you're, it's not over for you. It's not the end of your purpose. It's not the end of your destiny. It's not the end of a, God's ability to use you. 
He still has purpose and a plan for you. Jesus didn't give up. He didn't retreat. He didn't retaliate. But what kept Jesus going was the will of the Father. He was going to fulfill the will of the Father. His goal, the purpose, was your salvation. I love that he, in Mark chapter 3, verse 34, he says, And he looked around those seated around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, and whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and my mother. You need a bigger circle. You need a circle that's including people. You need a circle that's including people outside your comfort zone. You need a circle that even includes people you wouldn't choose. God's given you a circle. You think, why did God put me in this job with all these yahoos? Because he put you in that circle to show them the love of Christ. God's put you where you are. Why you've got such a crazy family? You think, I don't have to worry about the family thinking I'm crazy, but I know they're crazy. See, Jesus wasn't bemoaning, where do my family, you think, you know, this could be a point of just, my family doesn't even believe in me. Why should I even be trying? My family doesn't believe in me. No. They're the ones that were with him. And you know, have you noticed how often we look at the negative side and never look at the positive side? So here are the people that are with him. Jesus looked at the people who were with him. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? You can make it that a threat, you know. If you, what are you looking at? Hebrews 12, 2, and i got to close. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus took the rejection, and he even took the rejection of the Father. Because there was a moment on the cross as Jesus bore your sins and my sins on the cross, and as Jesus was dying our death and tasting death for every man, there was a moment on the cross where he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did God forsake Jesus? Because in that moment, as Jesus became sin for us, God allowed his son to die. The ultimate rejection so that you and I would not be rejected. So that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So that when you pray, he hears. That's what the scripture says. We know that he hears us when we pray. So that we who deserve, deserve rejection are not rejected. We are welcomed into the family of God. And Jesus said, this is my family. You are my brothers and my sister and my mother. We have been invited. What a tremendous invitation. 
that Jesus has brought us into his circle and invited us in. Amen. Let's stand. If you've never said yes to Jesus, he's inviting you in. He says, whosoever will may come. So if, if you've never said, yes, Jesus, I accept the invitation to be in your family, I recognize, I know I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. And I receive you as my Savior that has welcomed me into your family and into your kingdom and into your purpose. Jesus went through all that he went through for you and for me so that he could welcome us into his family. So Lord, help us to see the empty chairs around us. Let's not let the areas of hurt and brokenness become a place of bitterness and retaliation. But Lord, let us make it a place of ministry. A place where we can help people that need help and love people that need the love of Christ. Lord, the empty chairs in our life, we ask, Lord, you'd help us see the people that need to fill those places and experience the love of Christ. In Jesus' name. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.